0: Welcome back to Blazing Trails. I'm your host, Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. Well, as many of you know, our four core values here at Salesforce are trust, innovation, equality, and customer success. And this year we've added a new one, sustainability. So what does that mean? It means that we're bringing the full power of Salesforce to create a sustainable future by accelerating the world's largest businesses to net zero, sequestering 100 gigatons of carbon through conserving, restoring, and growing a trillion trees, and protecting our oceans, and energizing the ecopreneur revolution. And throughout the year here on Blazing Trails, we'll bring you conversations with executives from a wide range of industries who will be talking about how they're making their companies more sustainable. And today, we want to share an important conversation that we recorded last year with Denise Nguib. She's the Vice President for Sustainability and Supplier Diversity at Marriott International. And Patrick Flynn, the Senior Vice President of Sustainability here at Salesforce. And they discuss how companies are using data to push each other to make their businesses more sustainable. Okay, let's take a listen. Welcome, Denise.
1: Thank you so much, Michael. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: And Patrick Flynn is Vice President of Sustainability for Salesforce. He's responsible for defining and overseeing the execution of Salesforce's environmental strategy. Welcome, Patrick.
2: Oh, I'm so excited to be here. And thanks, Denise, for joining us as well.
1: Thank you, Patrick.
2: Denise, tell
0: me a little bit about sustainability and the hospitality industry. How are you thinking about this right now?
1: Well, sustainability and hospitality is a really big area of focus because it's not like we're making a widget. We're really providing and creating experiences for all kinds of different guests as they come through our doors. So as we think about that, we really are really touching guests along the entire travel journey. So you know, everything. Obviously, carbon is the most critical of the sustainability elements as we talk about today. But water, of course, is very much there. We're Talk about responsible sourcing. I mean, we feed guests all the time in our hotel. So thinking about what it is that we we feed them or provide them as uh, products to consume, mm-hmm. to uh, engage with. You know, whether it's the bedding that they're you know using when they sleep or the coffee that they're drinking. All of those elements really touch on our world of sustainability. Mm-hmm. It also expands into the communities, right? How are we being good uh, corporate citizens in the communities that we operate with? Seven thousand. 500 plus hotels in 130 plus countries, it matters how we behave and how we show up in communities around the world. And so as we think about sustainability, it really touches on both the environmental and social aspects of how we operate in those communities.
0: Mm -hmm. And have you seen a big change now with so much change in the industry post-pandemic? What changes are you seeing right now?
1: So obviously, you know, the pandemic had a pretty significant impact on our industry, Mm -hmm. starting with Asia and then sort of as it moved across the globe. We're seeing those green shoots come out in other places in terms of people starting to come back, especially in some of the Asian markets, some places in the Middle East, and so on. I think some of the changes from a sustainability perspective might have gone the wrong way, candidly, right? We obviously, with a lot of sensitivity to cleanliness, a lot of people were dependent on single-use product delivery, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot more sort of chemicals and cleaning of products and uh, experience spaces, you know, guest rooms, et cetera. So some of those things, candidly, are challenging from a sustainability perspective because we had to come back from that. We were making some significant progress on a lot of these areas as a sector and and within our own company. And understandably, right, safety first, cleanliness was and still is such a priority in terms of dealing with this pandemic. And so it was really important to deal with that. But, you know, think about the masks, right? We're all using so many more masks, though, that just the disposal of that. So I think waste is an area that has skyrocketed in terms of the impact. Mm-hmm. On the other side of it, you know, carbon obviously has gone down tremendously as our hotels were closed or have much uh, lower energy footprints because we don't have as many people and uh, as much usage for the hotels. So there's some things that were benefited by the impacts of the pandemic. Other things like water that went the other way around and we're using more water per occupied room than previously.
0: Mm. I mean, you can see how interconnected all of it is. And you know, Patrick, we were talking a little bit about how companies are working together on this issue and partnering together to work on that. If you look at your example, Denise, around masks, you know, there's the company that's producing the masks and then you're purchasing the masks. And then how do you dispose of the mask? And everything, if you expand that out, is so interconnected. How are companies thinking about this with each other? Are there conversations happening around that, Patrick?
2: Yeah. You know, I think the customer relationship is going to end up being the key to climate action the key to sustainability as all of our sustainability programs move past our operational footprint mm-hmm. into in carbon accounting language into scope 3 it is by definition a Customer relationship challenge. You're Mm -hmm. either talking about downstream customer behavior, engaging with those customers, that's obvious. But upstream, when you're talking to your suppliers, when you're reshaping your supply chain, that's also a customer relationship. You're using your own customer voice with your suppliers and trying, hopefully, to be really clear about what your own objectives are and how they can help you on that journey. So, this bridge that Denise and I build Mm -hmm. between each other, where we are each other's customers and where we aim to be as clear as possible about what we want from each other Mm -hmm. for our own climate and sustainability objectives, it's critical. I think it's the next frontier of where some of the biggest innovation, the biggest collaboration, the biggest breakthroughs are going to come from in rising to meet the climate emergency that we face.
1: Absolutely, Patrick. I think one thing to note, just back to your earlier conversation around what happened since the pandemic hit, is the increased interest by our corporate customers into sustainability, Mm -hmm. whereby there were a few select companies that were really focused on this, were really engaged in the topic, wanted to figure out ways to partner, like Salesforce, on how do we really tackle this climate issue together it is now sort of widespread there are a lot more companies who have set ambitious goals over the past year on climate that are really figuring out how do they partner with their customers and their suppliers to work through some of these challenges and so i think for us candidly we were quite surprised given the impact on people's travel especially corporate travel how much more heightened awareness and activation that was happening with our biggest clients in this particular area
2: i can relate to the uptick in customer interest that you're seeing. Because from my vantage point as a sustainability leader in a company where travel was a big opportunity, it went to zero overnight. It went from this thing that had all of this inertia, hard to figure out how to probe it, how to wrangle it. Mm -hmm. And then it showed itself to be completely malleable. Went to zero, Business carried on. We found new ways of doing it. And in that moment, you see this seam for opportunity to rethink it, recreate it, do better while the engine's not running, right? That metaphor of the difficulty of trying to change an engine in flight. This was maybe a moment where the travel engine was in the garage for a minute and we could Mm -hmm. examine it, tinker with it, and try to figure out what to do better for when it got fired up again. Actually, an interesting thing, Denise, that only came to mind to me fresh based on your most recent comments is the reverse happened as well, meaning you found that your customers were way more interested in hospitality impacts and data from you. I found that our employees were way more interested in at-home emissions uh, what, you know, mm-hmm. their their food choices, their lifestyle choices, what they buy in the home. Interesting. And so we produced, for example, the sustainability at home guide to try to educate all of our employees about what to do better and published it for everybody to benefit from. It occurs to me that you and the hospitality industry are like the professional version of at-home sustainability. Um, all of the things, you know, eat what we eat, how often we wash our sheets, whether we turn the lights on and off. It's all of these things that we can pull at home. You guys are doing at sort of business scale, professional scale. And so a to-do list item here is we need to collaborate more on that. I need your feedback on the sustainability at home guide. I want to make it better. You're sort of the professional eyeballs on that topic.
1: I love
0: that. Thinking about this in my own footprint, I want to know what my impact is and think about now on my iPhone, I understand how much I'm sleeping and how many steps I get and all of this data that can open up new ways to think about, oh, I better get out and take a walk. I better do these things. you know. And it just has this direct impact every day. But we don't really have that for sustainability. I can sort of guess at okay, I think this is a bigger impact or this isn't, but there's no way for me to really do that. It sounds like that's happening a little more in the corporate world where there's, and you mentioned earlier, this carbon accountability and scope three, which I actually don't know what those things are. It might be great to define that (laughs) a little bit, but where this is happening and there's more visibility into this. But before that, Denise, maybe you can talk a little bit about how Marriott is thinking about this and how you're tracking and understanding this data and using it for decision-making.
1: Absolutely. So it was probably close to a decade ago that you know we had the beginnings of our most progressive customers saying, you know, I want to know what my carbon footprint is when I travel with you. How do you help me do that? And by the way, I don't want to know sort of an average number. I I want to know when I'm traveling to this hotel versus that hotel, what's the footprint so that I can make better decisions. So it really inspired our company and our competitors to come up with the how do we do the math consistently. So we really worked together and developed what's called the Hotel Carbon Measurement Initiative, which is a free resource for anybody to use. But essentially, it gave us the roadmap, the calculation, the methodology for each of us to then pull into our own world. So we took that. And across the globe, all of our hotels are mandated to input information into a database. These data points, energy, water, data, the conditioned space of the hotel, all these attributes go in to calculate that footprint. So I can get to the granular of how much is the carbon footprint for your stay, Michael, at the hotel that you're staying at today versus, you know, a different hotel tomorrow. And similarly for meetings, you know, what is the carbon footprint for this meeting room that I'm using for four hours to host this meeting? So that really gave us some very specific information that we can leverage for our customers. And so, you know, it started with a few customers kind of asking for this information and being provided this data. But ultimately, we have two paths where we give this data to customers. On the front end in the RFP process, there's a field for carbon footprint and water footprint, and we can give them by hotel what that carbon and water footprint is. So again, they can use it in whatever way makes sense for them, but ultimately for decision-making on the front end. And then on the back end, you know, based on their actual stays, we can say, okay, Salesforce, here are all the hotels you stayed in, here are all the room nights you spent in those hotels, And therefore, here's your carbon footprint with Marriott Hotels across the past year. And so we've been doing that reporting now twice a year to a growing number of our customers Mm -hmm. to be able to give them the data, which then goes into what's called their scope three emissions accounting um, Mm -hmm. that Patrick can give you a little more info uh, into. But that's essentially what we're doing is we're saying, here's your share of your footprint with us.
0: Right. And on that, do you also use that? information internally to make decisions. So when you're thinking about how you manage properties, how your growth, running the business, where does that sustainability conversation happen? And is that same data being used?
1: Absolutely. So we have a whole uh, sustainability and social impact platform called Serve360, doing good in every direction. And Mm -hmm. we've set out some pretty uh, significant goals across a wide variety of topics, carbon, water, waste, food waste, responsible sourcing, and so forth so all of these areas we have got to track it's all about data if we don't we don't know if we've succeeded at any of it if we don't track that information and so we have a variety of tools but primarily this this uh, tool that we use to gather this information from the hotels is what we use to then roll up and communicate our footprint and our impact against those goals to you know publicly on our reporting as well as you know individually to customers and so on so there are a lot of ways we use this information mm-hmm. across a whole bunch of topics like i said you know food waste responsible sourcing water waste um, information in general but also obviously to the these customers and absolutely it helps us make those decisions so all of our Hotels can have visibility into their dashboard, how well they're doing on their carbon intensity and their water intensity and their waste metrics and of the environmental questions that we're asking them. How many of them have they completed to know even what they're doing in this space? So it's a really important tool, both at the individual hotel level, to make those decisions and think about what's next for them. You know, or should they shouldn't be getting a third party certification because we have a goal to get hundred percent of them certified, to be able to communicate to customers, Hey, they're holding these certifications mm-hmm. and then ideas of how to do that. Right. Then you can benchmark against each other and say, okay, how have you done this? How were you able to lower your footprint, you know, by 10% since last year or whatever. And so there are a lot of benefits, but it all starts with sort of having that content and that data.
0: Mm-hmm. And is this a C-suite conversation that's happening and is it seen as a competitive advantage and something that has real business impact?
1: Absolutely. So we've got our executive council who has a visibility to a scorecard around our progress against these goals on a regular basis, and like I said, we publicly disclose it, right? Whether it's through different investor disclosures or otherwise, and so the, you know there's there are a lot of eyeballs on the content mm-hmm. and the goals, and we absolutely know, especially at the individual customer level, we are being ranked and rated, and customers are making decisions on which mm-hmm. hotels have. Better sustainability attributes, and you know, some of them are doing it softly behind the scenes. Some of it, are, they're putting it very clearly in front of their travelers to be able to have visibility to that and make those decisions. And this is the competitiveness, you know, which is very important because at the end of the day, if we can all do better, we all do better.
0: Right, right. I think you know, setting up those incentives and the competition around that is going to drive the change. All right, Patrick carbon accountability, and scope three. Can we just give oh us some boy. definitions?
2: <laughs> We're I, knew, I knew it would get geeky <laughs> at some point. Denise and I share a, share a love for metrics and math and following the science, following the numbers. So brace yourselves, everybody, for a moment of geekiness <laughs> it's here. It's going to be
0: very exciting. Very exciting here. Yeah.
2: We're going to delve into the fascinating world of carbon accounting, how we do the addition and subtraction and categorize carbon emissions for a company. Mm -hmm. it would be the same way you might think about doing it for your home. So there are only three scopes. Scope one has to do with the emissions that directly come from things you own and operate. So tailpipe emissions from an owned vehicle or the emissions from the boiler in the basement of the building. Scope two has to do with the indirect emissions from the purchase of things like electricity or heating or cooling. For a lot of companies, scope two is almost synonymous with the emissions from electricity purchases. And by the way, that's why we've seen so much corporate motivation for renewable energy targets because. Every company has started with Scope 1 and Scope 2 and getting their house in order. And for a lot of us, that oriented us towards electricity as a really material thing to tackle and pushed us into the renewable energy space. And Mm -hmm. then there's Scope 3, which is everything else. Everything else upstream, everything else downstream, all of the emissions embodied in things you purchase for example. So Mm -hmm. for a company like Salesforce, the emissions embodied in the materials that go into fitting out our office spaces and all of the supply chain impacts upstream from buying that carpeting or ceiling tile, right? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. And plenty of other examples. And then downstream, use of sold products, investment activities, the emissions associated with what happens downstream from your business. And today we're at a place where there's really no such thing as a credible climate target that does not span all of scope one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. The world needs every leading company to measure and take action with the full breadth of their full value chain impact, even if it's in collaboration. And even if it can't be done alone, we all need to mm-hmm. think about that full breadth. So that's your quick primer on scope one, two, and three. A half step back from it, it's a little bit like the Wild West in greenhouse gas accounting. We've got a really solid handle out there on scope one and two. Companies have been doing it for a long time. In scope three, for some of these categories, the methodologies for figuring out the emissions associated with spending of a particular type, or the emissions associated with downstream use of a product or service, the leaders, we're all still sort of at a place where we're banding together to figure it out. We're also in the Wild West in terms of most companies are doing all of this math in spreadsheets, and it's being done by very small teams, often off the side of their desk as a side project, because they know it's the right thing to do. And that is so very disconnected from how important climate change is and right. the visibility that those teams are now having. They're, they're being asked to present to the board of directors. They're being asked to present to the C-suite. And there's this huge disconnect between how empowered they are, the quality of the data they have, the systems of records that they're using to manage this. its um, I often think about how many financial accountants are out there in every single company Mm -hmm. and how few Mm -hmm. greenhouse gas accountants are out there in every single company. And we need that metric, the ratio of financial accountants to greenhouse gas accountants to start to converge if we are going to rise to meet the climate emergency.
1: I think where some of this really is going to come to the direct light is uh, in terms of the financial versus the greenhouse gas accounting is Mm -hmm. when, when and if the SEC steps in and does require that level of scrutiny to be visible to them, right? So if all of a sudden they're this, which is being contemplated right now, right? So if that if that happens, I think there's going to be a lot more visibility and therefore scrutiny mm-hmm. to make sure that the rigor behind uh, greenhouse gas accounting is equal to the financial accounting processes.
2: Yeah, Denise, you nailed it. And at Salesforce, we recognized a handful of years ago that our greenhouse gas emissions data would need to look like the quality of our financial data, very soon. Mm-hmm. And so we set out to overhaul our greenhouse gas emissions footprinting process. In layman's term, that process that every that most companies go through is sort of like doing your taxes once a year. Very boring, very tedious, looking in the rearview mirror, trying to pull records together and come up with some high-level numbers. Mm-hmm. And it's usually given to the least tenured person on the sustainability team, because most of us in this field would rather be facing forward, trying to change the future, than looking backwards, trying to count the beans. So anyway, we recognized that we needed the quality of this footprinting process to look investor grade. And we looked around, we didn't see any systems of record that we liked out there. So we built Sustainability Cloud on the Salesforce platform, and it's now our single source of comprehensive truth for our greenhouse gas emissions footprint. Mm -hmm. And Denise, you're right. We're now seeing faster than any of us would have thought a few years ago that for all companies... In the eu in the uk in the us here with the news out of the sec that emissions data across a company's full scope one scope two and scope three is going to be very likely required in some form very soon Mm -hmm. and so in addition to salesforce's technology and sustainability cloud aiming to empower the sustainability teams to have C-level conversations. It's also a delivery mechanism to get investor-grade data out to their stakeholders in a trusted and timely fashion.
0: And this is going to happen through the SEC, just in terms of the environment, the regulatory environment out there, where this data is going to be collected. Is there anywhere else? Or what does this look like internationally? Are there other places where it's specific to environmental impact? I mean, I just don't know the landscape. What does that look like?
2: There was an interesting merger announced a few months ago between the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, SASB, which Mm -hmm. for those in the finance world aims to be the sustainability version of FASB, the Financial Accounting Standards Board, and the IIRC the International Integrated Reporting Coalition. I may have butchered mm-hmm. that. Sorry to my friends at the IIRC. <laughs> um, they merged to form the VRF, the Values uh-huh. Reporting Framework, which hopefully will be the international standard for what metrics to disclose by industry, inclusive of greenhouse gas emissions data. So, mm-hmm. if you've heard about you know the ESG phenomenon, and which is environmental, social, and governance disclosure phenomenon sweeping the world. This climate discussion is a piece of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No,
1: I think that consistency of how and that the need to report is going to be what keeps everybody moving forward in this space. Because if it's only in a subset of one's operation, it's less likely to get the attention that it needs versus it's ubiquitously Demanded, regulated, and um, supported in terms of doing the work. So, I mean, UK has had a you know carbon tax for a while. The EU's got their Green Deal, and there are more mm-hmm. taxation related elements that are rolling up around the world. And I think, given that taxation is going to be based on how much carbon you're emitting, the fundamentally being able to do the math right is going to be important for the business. Right? Nobody wants mm-hmm. to pay more taxes than they need to. So, it's going to be really important to make sure that works too.
2: Yeah, and you know, as much as a lot of us have our Gaze set on the regulatory and compliance based reporting. I actually think, sort of coming out of our peripheral vision, there's this phenomenon with even greater speed, which is going to be the need for all companies to have their greenhouse gas emissions data be negotiation grade to be ready for the customer conversations that are coming to them when the pressure for them to do better on climate really starts to hit the procurement table. And so I think as much as the need for investor grade data is real and coming faster than we ever thought, I think this negotiation grade data that will really empower the customer relationship that we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. that's gonna be even faster to put pressure on this greenhouse gas data.
1: And as I said, I think some customers are already there, right? They're already leveraging those pathways to make those decisions, um, at least from the travel industry perspective, right? Just to say, yes, I'm going to travel in this way and I'm going to make sure that this content is visible to my travelers and I'm going to use it as a way to make sure I'm driving more business to the right places. Mm-hmm. And others are going to look to those companies as leaders in this space and start kind of moving in that direction. But I totally agree with you, Patrick. I think regulatory is sort of going to come up behind and push everybody along like the laggards. But I think the leaders in this space are certainly, they're there or they're getting there quickly.
2: Yeah. And Marriott is such a leader. I just have to say, it's why I'm so excited to have you to speak with today, Denise, the quality of the data that you're able to deliver to all of your customers stay specific data for emissions energy water waste all of the ways you're able to break down the impact of choosing marriott it's phenomenal and i think it's the future and i think it will be for you a real competitive differentiator because as much as some of your customers are really focused on this topic right now you fast forward just a few years and most of your customers are going to look like those very vocal few that you have today. So job well done.
1: Thanks, Patrick. And you know, it's a journey. We're all on it. We're trying to improve through time, of course. But I think, again, back to this idea of partnership, it is the partnership that you know, Patrick and I and our peers at other companies have that help us move the needle in this space, right? We collectively understand what each other need in order to lift our own companies up and move Forward in this very, very important and critical space, and by doing that together with an ear to what the needs are of the other, I think it's going to only help all of us move effectively together. Because this is not a, a do it by yourself kind of effort.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the ability to access that data and to use it as in these conversations is so critical and something I hadn't really thought about before. And then it goes all the way down to the consumer level. I was just thinking about. You know i've been taking some car trips with the family and driving out here in california we drove by a vineyard and it looks like they have a new big wind turbine that's powering their operations you know at one facility and they've got the name of the vineyard on the side of it saying you know and it's kind of like a banner like hey we're moving into the future and creating sustainable energy and going a different direction i'd seen the same thing I mean, these are obviously small sort of anecdotal examples, but it seems like there's a combination of doing this work, of becoming more sustainable, using new energy sources, but then also putting that out there in the world and showing people and the power and the change that that creates. Is that something you're seeing across all different industries and sort of examples of that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think everybody wants to have the the label, right? They want to have their stamp on them to say that I am sustainable because there is a very real marketability to that more than ever. Mm -hmm. I think even just with the pandemic, so many people paused long enough to sort of look around them, right? I mean, we, we heard story after story, right, about people seeing the sky for the first time, people being able to breathe for the first time. These things impact individuals. They recognize and make the connections and patrick to your comment about the engine like everybody's paused long enough to think about the impact and the value of the natural world around them and you know once you get to the heart you can easily get to the head people start mm-hmm. then thinking oh okay i need to do something about that right how do i make better decisions i think that the challenge right now and i think you were talking about it before michael was around the data right that that information is harder and harder to capture this idea of On your phone, you know when to stand up and how many steps to take and so on. You know, you're getting buzzed for different things to kind of keep your personal health up. Um, You know, I can tell how much energy I'm producing from my solar panels on my roof, but I don't know what the carbon footprint is of the thing I'm eating for lunch, right? So just the, the how do you get more insights, not to overwhelm people, but to give people a path that they can really be able to understand the different decisions they can or should be making and make it really simple for them so that they can choose different or better paths. You know, yes, maybe they're going to cheat and have ice cream one day on their health path, but at the, at the other day they're going to, you know, save on the other side and, and have an apple. So I think just that same mentality of how do you give people enough information to make the decisions, but not overwhelm them so that they don't do anything, that they're frozen in terms of action.
2: Yeah, we're trying to thread an incredibly tough needle with some of that because it needs to be simple and understandable. But if you get too simple or too much into marketing, you run the risk of greenwashing, which is Mm -hmm. when your messaging outstrips your action, when your say-do ratio is out of whack, when, you know, when your talk doesn't match the walk. And so it needs to be simple, but it also needs to be really credible. So it's almost like the tip of the iceberg needs to be these really relatable metrics or a stamp or a credential, but that iceberg had better be really deep and built on trusted data that's very comprehensive. The consumer is thankfully getting much more savvy about what credible behavior is. And so it's really inspiring to see that there will be this avenue for differentiation around credible environmental, credible climate action. And the B2C, the consumer relationship is sort of the beginning, but all of those same people As they get older, as they get more senior, they're in charge of B2B decisions in the Mm -hmm. businesses that they run, in the day jobs that they hold. And so there's no difference really from the B2C to B2B, maybe just a little bit of a lag. But for Salesforce's part, across all of our customers, we're seeing this awakening from brands around the world that their customers whether that's a consumer or another business the customer is asking for more and in some ways I feel like that's the north star that's a that's the the orientation that these companies can have into what the future customer is going to ask of them.
1: Mm-hmm. And you talked about it earlier Patrick but even from a talent perspective right your own talent either the ones that are already part of your company or the ones that you want to attract to be part of the company. This matters to them. This is a decision point that many, many people are, are looking at as they start deciding you know, where they want to start their careers, where they want to invest their lives and what companies they feel like whose values match theirs. And so this is not a nice to have in any ways. It's a very much a competitive differentiator on the talent side, on the B2B relationship side, on the marketability to, uh, consumer side, I think without a doubt, there's absolutely threads throughout that are really important to make sure that we are all driving towards this. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to have the best talent. We're not going to have the best relationships with our partners and so on.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and you touched on the, the pandemic slowdown for a minute and the time to, for everybody to take a breath and reconnect with nature and, maybe reconnect with family and friends a little bit more deeply. It brings to mind to me, just to highlight that we're talking so much about climate action. It is the biggest, most important, most complex challenge humans have ever faced. And it's not more important than equality. It is equality. It's not more important than nature and saving our natural ecosystem. It is saving nature and our natural ecosystem. Climate change and climate action is really the best, most foundational way to think about tackling anything you might be passionate about from equality, human health, biodiversity, strength and resilience in the economy or your business. It's this real cornerstone foundational strategy.
1: I mean, even hunger, right? I mean, we think about some of the the issues that arose through the issues of the pandemic around hunger. Well, you know, we throw away 30% of the food we produce in this country. I mean, that's just just sacrilege. And the impact that that has on climate is huge, right? All the resources that go into producing that food that never even makes it to feeding people at the same time that we have a hunger crisis. It's just amazing. But the connections aren't often made, that these two things are interlinked as an example. And so I, I totally agree with you, Patrick. There's so much around the kind of environmental justice piece that really does tie into that equity and the equality and just making sure that we are running a society that has the the ability to provide the best version of ourselves to everybody that's part of it.
2: Yeah. When the environment goes wrong, it's those with the least who suffer the most. It's the most disadvantaged communities in our world that face the greatest environmental injustice. It's those who have done the least to create the climate emergency that we're in who are going to bear the greatest burden. And not to mention the injustice between those of us alive today and all future generations from whom there's this intergenerational injustice taking place right now. So climate action to me is really front and center as a way to deliver on whatever impact category you might be passionate about.
0: Well, Denise Patrick, this has been a fantastic conversation really enlightening for me, and I hope for everybody listening. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much, Michael, and thanks, Patrick, for inviting me. It's a great conversation indeed. Thank you very much.
2: Oh, my pleasure. What an honor. Great to be with you. Thanks again.
0: That was Denise Naguib, Vice President for Sustainability and Supplier Diversity at Marriott International, and Patrick Flynn, Senior Vice President of Sustainability here at Salesforce. Well, Dreamforce is right around the corner. It's about a month away and it's our 20th Dreamforce and we could not be more excited. Join our co-CEOs Mark Benioff and Brett Taylor along with Matthew McConaughey, Irvin Magic Johnson, Jennifer Hudson, Jane Goodall, Larry Summers, Bono, and many more. It's an awesome lineup. And if you're not going to be there in person, the best place to experience Dreamforce is on Salesforce Plus. So go to salesforce.com plus to sign up to watch for free. Blazing Trails is produced by Rachel Levin and Courtney Eltinge. Original music by Andrew Duncan. Recording and mixing by Michelle Luong and Ryan Kleeman from Salesforce Studios. I'm Michael Rebo. Thanks for joining us.